she went to a college right here local to us in Boston, Babson College. At the time, it was a mere $72,000 a year. Now it's 80000 just a few years later, right? It keeps going up faster than inflation. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Murray Miller, founder of Residual Wealth Strategies, global exec team, and currently coaching financial planners in an open space, the college planning portion of financial planning with his company, College Planning Strategies. Welcome to the show, Murray. Thanks for uh, inviting me on, Mark. It's great to be here. One thing I didn't mention is you're also a host of a podcast. Tell me about your podcast. The Family Business is called the, uh, the, the podcast name. And uh, yeah, I started the podcast uh, about, it's going to be three years coming up. Wow. Uh, just at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, I was like, okay, we got to still reach people. Let's let's do something. And uh, podcasting seemed like the way to go. I was a big consumer of podcasts, loved listening and learning and uh, had my favorites. And, and then I just said, you know what, I can do this and let's go. And so I started just talking about the things I love about residual income and financial planning and how to plan and pay and how to save 10% of your income and build that up to 40%, all the things that I do. And uh, all of a sudden the thing took off and people apparently liked it because they started sharing it. And now if you type in residual income into Spotify or into uh, Apple, uh, I seem to come up one or two all the time, which is wow. uh, pretty exciting. So the goal is residual income at the yeah. end of the day. The end of the day, that's uh, that's what I call lifestyle entrepreneurship, right? Residual income. Tell us about it. How does someone get to that point where they're enjoying a life of residual income? You know, it's a great question. I um, I actually had so many people ask me that same question that I ended up writing a little ebook. Oh, cool! Called the, called the Eight Sources of Residual Income. And of course, there's more than eight, but I, I kind of picked the eight big ones, you know, which I thought was uh, affiliate marketing, royalties, network marketing, being a business owner and putting some kind of an aspect into your business so it becomes residual, which I did with my college planning company. Um, investments, of course, paper investments, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, things of that nature, you can turn into a residual income stream. And uh, real estate, which is the big one everyone knows about, and uh, life insurance, compound uh, effect of uh, cash value life insurance. So those were the big eight that I talk about and uh, ended up just putting a little book together and people just love it. They can download it free at the website and, and get the insight that way. That's awesome. Tell us about what you're working with financial advisors and the whole gap in, in planning for college. Well, this is a passion project that I started uh, at the beginning of this year, um, you know, as a financial planner and as someone that loves helping people put together a plan to whatever it is that they want to do, whether it's retire or pay for college or, you know, have a, a robust investment stream of income, there has to be a residual income component to that. So for me, as a as a financial planner that struggled with marketing 
it was evident that you needed a process that was repeatable, something that you could count on where new people were coming in the door on a consistent basis with a problem that you could help them solve. And when my kids got old enough, my daughter first to go to college, I started to look at it and say, okay, she went to a college right here, local to us in Boston, Babson College. At the time, it was a mere $72,000 a year. Now it's 80000 just a few years later, right? It keeps going up faster than inflation. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Now, for me, um, Mark, I know you're a highly educated person, business person, and you know, you're know you an attorney and you've gone through a lot of education over the years. I was lacking in education because of my financial background. I came mm. from a family that didn't have any money. Um, it was my mom bringing up three kids, single mom, anything that broke, stayed broken. You know, we didn't we didn't have anything. Um, and that that was part of the reason that I went into the financial world, which is a whole another podcast, probably. But honestly, uh, when it came to college, I couldn't go. So I had to put myself through community college, pay for it, go part time, do night school, do all that stuff. So I was passionate about sending my kids to college, but it was just highly unaffordable for most people. And that made me start to concentrate on that on that niche of helping people afford to pay for college, getting the most out of their opportunities with the financial aid system and how that works. So I started working in that arena. And next thing I knew, I had a flood of people coming in the door. And I was running after about three years, I was running about 50 workshops at different high schools around Massachusetts. And I, I had packed the room every single time. And I said, you know mm. what, I can take this and I can duplicate this on a national scale. So I put a formula together. I hired five or six developers. I put a software plan together on how are we going to do this. And we started recruiting financial advisors for the program. And a few years later, we had over 100 people, 100 guys, 100 guys and gals, financial planners using our system to help their clients plan and pay for college. I ended up selling that company four years ago, and I had a non-compete for about three years, so I couldn't do anything even if I wanted to. But now I just decided I want to get back into that and help people get on the track to pay for college in the most advantageous manner. And the best way to do that is to find good, solid, educated financial advisors that are not tapping into that market. And it's not getting less affordable, right? It's not getting any cheaper to go to college. And we have inflation and we have all of these other concerns. So, you know, where do people turn? Where do people typically get their information going down the path of higher education? Our kids, you know, it's a God-given right for some families to to send their kids to college. I, you know, I that's another podcast in and of itself too. But, you know, where do they find the information to enter in with some knowledge? Well, that's interesting that you would ask, because if you Google it, you'll get a lot of different opinions. If you put it into chat GBT, you'll get a lot of different information. But at the end of the day, what people have notoriously done, and it's, it's what has created a retirement crisis in our country, and I, I sincerely mean that, is they borrow from their 401ks. They borrow from their retirement accounts. They take out a mortgage on their house. They take out a HELOC. They take money out of there. Or they saddle the student with um, student debt, student loans, or a combination of all that I just mentioned. 
So there's not a lot of good information. And you know what? It's a very emotional topic when you're dealing with someone's kids and they want them to have that education for whatever reason they didn't get it, or maybe they have the means, but it takes a huge chunk. I mean, I've met with people that make, you know, mid to high six figures with three or four kids. And, you know, you're looking at the better part of, uh, you know, half a million to a million dollars. If you're, if you're paying full price for college, which is absolutely insane. What's the ROI on that? I don't really know. That's a podcast, mm -hmm. right? That's an episode because, um, as you know, we go way back and I have kids going into that age category and, uh, you know, we've been playing that, that game, if you will, again, I guess we're going to go down this rabbit hole. It's, you know, some would refer to it as a business, right? The higher education industry is a business. Um, I like to refer to it as a racket collusion. Where's Congress step in? This is unsustainable. This is not a proper value proposition. Um, but, you know, what do you do? What do you do? What what you, what are the you options? Stepped I mean, on, you stepped on the, the greatest soapbox that I can possibly put you on, and that is screaming at the top of your lungs that this isn't right. Now, we've seen a decline in yeah. the number of people going to college because, well, I think because so much is available online now. Uh, there's this group of people that are college dropouts that have started companies and have been extremely successful and pride themselves on the fact that they got to right. college and figured out this is a racket. This is I'm not learning what I need to learn. And I'm not saying that college doesn't teach good things. It does. And you have to hunker down and, and make sure you're getting the education that you want to get rather than just make it a four or five year party. The average person, the average student now doesn't graduate in four years. It's five and a half, actually. Average. Oh. Really? Yeah. yeah. Takes longer now. There's, you know, they'll slow you down too. As a matter of fact, you know, I've experienced this with both my kids. They will tell you right at the beginning, we love undeclared students coming in here, mm -hmm. explore, figure out what it is that you need to be and what you want to be, try all these different classes. And I'm not saying that that's the wrong path to go down, but what that does is that you have to have certain criteria, you know, other than your gen eds, you have to have certain criteria in order to graduate with a business degree or a communications degree or whatever it is that you're going for. And if you don't do it in the first two years, you're going to end up going to an extra semester or two or three in order to get those things done. So that's why it's taking longer for, for, for students to graduate. That's interesting. I haven't heard that before, but I would not put it past them to to slow the drip, slow oh, yeah. the drip down. Well, what I've noticed is people simply accept it as facts, right? It's $82,000 and that's what we have to pay because we are going to pay for our kids' college education because that's the fundamental right that they have is to good, solid education. Mark, college is a business. And I agree with you that it's somewhat of a racket to some extent because of the way that they do it. I mean, it's academia and they pretend like, oh, we're, we don't negotiate, but they do. If you have other offers from other right. schools and they want you to go there, um, you just have to have the right circumstances. So the appeals process is something that, you know, I'm very familiar with. I've helped a lot of clients. Probably we tried figuring it out one time and I, I probably saved somewhere close to $20 million for my wow. clients. Yeah. Over, over a period of years. So it's, uh, it's, it's not that hard when you figure out the system of how they get you in and how, they, you know, in this emotional 
roller coaster that you go through trying to go through the admissions process to get in. And then, you know, the payment part of it is just like they want you to think that's what the price is. The, there's there's no negotiating. Hey, we let you in. Yeah. Right. It's interesting, though, that you refer to it. And this was always bothersome to me going through the the experience of um, admissions and and if we're you know choosing the right fit for the kid, right, is um, it's an appeals process. It seems so adversarial. It seems we're pitting against one another as opposed to partnering up. Like, isn't there something softer, like a conversation? Can we have a conversation about the human being and not appeal your decision on the numbers? No, as a matter no. of fact, it's 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 just that's just the way it is. I mean, if you have a student that is highly desirable, yeah, your appeal is going to be it's not going to fall on deaf ears. If you have a student that happens to be either a student athlete or is into arts or sciences and has some accolades that they bring to the table that the college thinks that they can utilize and market into the future they're going to be more apt to want to give you a better deal. Um, and then there are ways, you know, our software is able to figure out what they've given in the past in certain situations and whether you get a good offer or not so good offer and whether you should appeal it. Um, and there's ways to go around it that you don't have to do the official appeal, appeal process, which is literally a document on their website that you download and you tell them why you're, why you're appealing it. And you give them the reasons that they can say yes to give you more money if that's what they want to do. Um, however, it's going to, it's going to be a 100% based on their decision and you and have to be what, willing to walk away. And, and what percentage of people even know that there's an appeal process, that there's even a process. Oh, thank you for letting us attend your school at the price that you're setting. Yeah. I mean, how many people know that there's I don't think a lot of people back. know. I mean, obviously, everyone we're working with knows, you know, as right. part of what we do, um, you know, they want you to they want you to go into this feeling as if they did you a favor right. when you got there. Um, and that's and it's literally how they, they go about it is, you know, this is this is a very official award letter. This is what you're getting. There's no negotiating with this. If this is a take it or leave it situation. And that's how you feel when you get it. Um, as a matter of fact, if you really want your student to get into a particular school, you can do early admissions or early action. <laughs> and if you do that process, you are basically telling them, if you accept my student, I will accept whatever price you give me. They're taking, they literally, you're signing off that you will, you will take the other schools off the table and you will go to the school at the price they give you if you are accepted. Can you imagine? People do it all the time because they want their student to be in XYZ university. So they do the early action or the early admissions process, which is a binding contract. How do you like that one? I don't. In fact, that was put in front of uh, my family with one of my children is, you know, here's an option. And I said that exact same thing. Then we're locked out. We have no negotiating power at that point. Mm -hmm. Zero. You gave it up. Yeah, I'm not willing to do that. So tell me what you're, how are you sharing this with other financial advisors so that we can help more, you know, scale it to more families and help more families? I know Murray Miller can help one at a time, but how do you scale it to allow multiple people to have the knowledge going into this? 
I spend it, um, you know, a couple hours every day, um, whether it's on social media or emailing financial advisors, basically cold prospecting financial advisors that that fit my criteria. Um, you know, I'm looking for someone with four or five years experience. I'm looking for someone that holds, you know, all the licenses so they can do comprehensive financial planning. College planning is just the door opener. We don't want to, you know, plan in a vacuum. Um, but college planning is, you know, it's it's a little known area. From the last time I did my statistics on it, I found that less than 3% of advisors even know what college planning is. Most call it, most uh, financial advisors, if you say college, they say 529. That's mm -hmm. what they know about college is putting money in a savings account called a 529 plan. That's all they know. And they don't understand anything more than that. So it's very, very important to make them aware there's a starving market of people that are completely underserved that um, are very passionate about this one particular um, subject. And more than that, different than retirement planning or investment planning, there's a deadline. They have so much time before they have to put these financial aid applications in. So that's why it's it's a great market for a financial advisor looking for that repeatable process where they have new clients coming in the door that they can actually help. And it's a great thing that you can do some, you know, it's very rewarding work, working with someone and saving them. 10, 15, $20,000 a year or more than they would have had to pay if they hadn't hired you. Wow. I love it. So, so tell me more about your podcast. Who are you talking with? What are you talking about? Where can we find it? All of that. So the family business podcast, I've got, you know, four different aspects that I talk about on that. I talk about creating residual income and, and the eight sources that we discussed in the very beginning. I and I and I I have experts on each subject that uh, have come on and you know shared their knowledge and of course I have knowledge in all those areas as well and I, I'm able to share that. Then I talk to people that are just trying to put their own financial plan together, the financial advisors that are trying to build a practice and have a college planning component within their practice. So I'll talk about that on the podcast. And everything that has to do with, you know, setting up a corporation to setting up a, a business, you know, I've had, I've had people come in that are, are asking me, hey, I'm a plumber, or I'm a, I'm an HVAC guy, how do I create a residual income component into what I do? My business is completely transactional. When I'm done, I'm done. And a lot of businesses are like that. So we figure out a way, like, for example, with the HVAC guy, HVAC guy I would show him, maybe you can set up a maintenance program and mm. charge your clients a monthly fee. And so if something happens, like the air conditioning breaks or the heater goes out, it's covered because you were under the maintenance contract. So you now have a residual component. Maybe you're charging $139 a month, something really affordable, but it covers them for those major disasters. That creates a residual income component for his business, right? Um, the same thing would go for you know a law firm, a mortgage company, all those things. There, there are ways to, to set that up. So we talk about that on, on the podcast. Um, I think people that listen to the podcast are just interested in finance. They're just interested in creating a, a freedom lifestyle, whether they have a business or they're an individual that's trying to just figure out what's the best way for them to start setting up their retirement and pay for college for their kids and that kind of thing. A freedom lifestyle. I like the sound of that. A freedom lifestyle. What have you learned as a host of a podcast? Well, um, you know, what drives me and, and I, I would I would guess it's what's driving you as well is that it's fun just having the input from people 
on social media and email and otherwise just saying, I love your podcast. Your podcast has really helped me with this one particular aspect of my life, or I loved what you said about this. This changed everything for me. Thanks for referring me to such and such, because that made a lot of sense, you know, with other podcast hosts that we've had. I've been interviewed. Uh, I interviewed what I call the OG of podcasting. His name's Sam Crowley. I talk about him all the time because he helped me get my podcast set up three years ago. And I heard him on a podcast. And this guy has probably had more downloads than anyone. He started podcasting in like 2008. When mm. I don't even know if if, if we even had, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> podcasting other than on our laptop. We didn't have it in our ears like we do now with our earbuds, right? Um, but he uh, he was just brilliant in the way that he presented his podcast to the public. He would go literally with his iPhone and sit in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot and podcast. And I was like, that's my guy. He's just no frills. He doesn't edit. He doesn't do anything. He just talks and he's got something to say that really you want to hear. And of course, he's become much more sophisticated since those days. But that's how he got it off the ground. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty exciting to see that someone like that can uh, can become the guy uh, that has, you know, millions of downloads on his podcast. You know, for me hosting the podcast, it's it's amazing what you can learn with other people, right? You're sitting there focused, phones are off, we're looking at one another, there's, there's no distractions, and we're learning from one another. And I have to say it's it's been bringing me life energy because it's that constant yearning for learning right and we're talking with people and you know i wish i had spoken with you two years ago as my kids were approaching the college age so that i would have a much better uh, position uh, going forward but all of the different people and 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 even when you sit down with someone and you feel as though you understand what they're doing you still don't understand them as a person until you sit and talk with them. And man, have I learned a lot over the couple of years doing this. Hey, I just mentioned to you that before we got on this podcast, I had a, I had a little drive time and I turned on your podcast to hear uh, your, I think it's one of your latest podcasts that you did with a PR executive um her name's hollywood right her her, her yeah shout out to darlene hollywood and hollywood agencies that was a great it was, podcast. it was great and you know what and i thought when she when you first started the podcast well i'll just listen to it just to hear what you know what it sounds like and you know some of the things that you're going to ask and so on and so forth and i'm like i can't really learn much about pr i mean i know most about pr and i was like wow i didn't know that I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It was it was one of those things. So I, I agree with you 100%. You can learn so much, um, that even if you think you know a lot about one particular topic, or at least enough, um, you can learn a lot more. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this. So you uh, have a coaching platform. Mm -hmm. You're coaching financial advisors. What happens when that financial advisor has gone through your coaching program and now has this whole new outlook on their practice. They sit down and they say, you know what? I got to give Murray a testimonial. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to say what? I think most, uh, the most um, exciting thing for me is when a financial advisor is doing what they do best. And that is usually, you know, usually financial advisors have really good financial minds. Typically, they can take very complex 
um, financial products or financial uh, situations and make them understandable to the average person. A lot of people are afraid of finance. A lot of people are afraid of money. They don't have the right money mindset. Just did a whole podcast on the psychology of money mm. and why people hit a wall with it. So yeah, the testimony would be that, you know, I'm able to get in front of the people without becoming a marketing guru. Um, because let's face it, if you don't have anyone to talk to, as good as you are at financial planning, it's not going to do you any good if uh, you can't help people. So it's very gratifying for me to see people, um, you know, financial advisors being being able to do what they do best, talk to families and help them through the process. I love it. I love the psychology of the money too, the money mindset. I um, So this was one of your recent episodes and that is again found on the family business. Yeah, the familybusiness.info is the website, which is um, where you can, you can, I mean, you can get it on any, platform, you know, whether you're a Spotify person or, you know, um, Apple Podcasts or whatever the other ones are that are out there. We we're on all of them. Um, but the website has them as well. So that's where they that's where I first post them and then they propagate over to the uh the all the different platforms. And I think that um when people get there, you know, they 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 can pick and choose a topic and hear it. And then usually what they do is they backtrack and they go and they want to listen to it from the beginning. I'm on season three now. Wow. Podcast episode 20 was this week. So uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Season three, episode 20. I'm going to look for it now (laughs) because I love that because it's so important to not be afraid. Don't push the money away from you and people don't understand that. And I love hearing different perspectives of that. So Murray, one of the things we're also going to do is we're going to now being on a podcast for a lot of people is pushing their envelope, right? They're pushing out that comfort zone for you. You have one, you're comfortable with it. But what we like to do is we like to figure out where that comfort zone limitations are. And one of the things we love and what we want to do is get all of the guests that we've had on this podcast together as a networking, because one of the things, the beautiful things that's happening, Murray, is that we're we're creating a little network within the within the guest catalog, if you will. So it's Murray, meet Mitch. You and Mitch both have a similar uh, thing in common, and that is you were guests on Elements of Styles. Please meet one another. So so there's a there is that, and then the guests are also hearing each other's podcasts as they drop. But we want to do a networking event where we're all together, and I'm visualizing it. And at the center stage is karaoke. So Murray Miller. Thanks for coming to the event. You're next up on stage. What are you singing? Oh, boy. It has to be my old-time favorite, Turn the Page by Bob Seger. I love it. I love it. So I love karaoke. Uh, as the listeners will know, I'm kind of a karaoke enthusiast. I enjoy the the rush of it, the risk of it, the I don't care if I flop. That is one of them that has been on my list and I have got to sing it. A friend of mine and I, Dr. Joe, one of the other uh, podcasts that I do, the Dr. Joe show, at a time when we were going live into the studio, we would go to a place that would host karaoke right after. Shout out to the Ming Dynasty. And we would do one song, one drink. You can never sing the same song twice, which was challenging because you think you know what you're doing until... You think Bruce Springsteen's easy to sing, and it's not. Boy, oh boy! And you're flopping up there, right? And you're missing lines, and you're gonna give it a go. That's the beauty of karaoke: is you know, fall down, get up, dust off. 
I love it. I love it. And that's one one thing I would have never guessed about you had I not heard uh, heard that before from someone else that we both know very well, um, that that's one of your passions, which is love exciting. It. And I'm not good. Like, let's not let's not confuse things. I'm not good at it, which I, I always I, say, you know, Mark, I've traveled the world. And one of the places that I've gone to several times, three times, actually, is Seoul, Korea. Mm. And you need to go there because you go into one of their karaoke bars and I don't care how bad your voice is. You sound amazing. They do something with with their technology over there. And it's a high technology area. Right. Um, and you sound great. I love it. It might have to I love it. It's so much more. fun. Now, Murray, the most important question of them all is how do people get in touch with you? Where do they connect with you? Super simple. It's everything's on the website. I mean, uh, you know, all of our uh, social channels are right there. You can click on them. So the familybusiness.info and uh, you find me there and you find everything else that we do right there and all the different uh, things that we talked about today. The familybusiness.info. I love it. Super simple. Everything is right there. The familybusiness.info. And I love the family business and that. Mm -hmm. What, what, what was it? The freedom lifestyle. Yes. Murray, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it was a, a true pleasure. I'm grateful. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I look forward to uh, having you on our podcast in the future. I love it. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Elements of Styles. If you enjoyed this, if you learned something, if you laughed, if you thought about somebody, share it with them. In fact, share it with everyone. Why not? See you next week, folks. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.